0: Welcome to Biblical Christian Worldviews Selective Article Podcast. So let's get started. Christianity using an uppercase C versus Christianity using a lowercase C. Who's who in eternity? I've received a number of comments surrounding what it means to be a Christian today. Not only is there a wide range of theological implications to this question, there are eternal implications as well. A couple of scripture verses, Matthew 7, 13. Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter it are many. Luke 13, 23 through 25. And someone said to him, Lord, Will those who are saved be few? And he said to them, Strive to enter through the narrow door. For many, I tell you, will seek to enter and will not be able. So perhaps let me start with a few open-ended questions to make a point. Question one. When we are quote-unquote saved, are we expected to be perfect? In other words, without sin, as Christ is perfect? A reference of Matthew 5:48. you therefore must be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. But how can we be perfect if there's no limit to our sin nature, even after salvation? Paul expresses his frustration in his personal continuing sin nature in Romans 7, 7 through 25. An excerpt of that is uh, Romans 7, 22 and 23. For I delight in the law of God, but in my inner being I see my members another law, waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. So clearly, there's not a single person on earth who's not sinned other than Christ. And the secular world would certainly not let Christians forget that, continuing sin nature exists after coming to Christ Galatians 5:19 and following now the works of the flesh are evident sexual immorality impurity sensuality idolatry sorcery enmity strife jealousy fits of anger rivalries dissensions divisions envy drunkenness orgies and things like these are there any christians who think they have not been jealous or angry or a dissenter, that have not been envious, had not have, have had impure thoughts, created strife, and set up idols that kept them from a closer relationship with God in the last hour, much less in the last week or month or year. And if we can f- continue in what would seem to be a born again sin, How can we be accepted by God? Hebrews 10.26 and following. For if we go on sinning deliberately after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there is no longer a sacrifice for sins, but a fearful expectation of judgment and a fury of fire that will consume the adversaries. 1 John 3.6 No one who abides in him keeps on sinning, No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. So if we all continue in sin after salvation and through sanctification till death, no matter how faithful or religious, no matter how committed or loving or devoted or whatever we are, how do we know we will be members of the small group that make it through the narrow gate? How can we have the assurance of our eternity with God in heaven as the Bible so clearly calls us to experience? Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Our faith does not rest on earning a good slot in the afterlife like so many other workspace religions do. Our salvation comes from faith alone, through God's grace and Christ's redeeming work on the cross. <clears throat> Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing. It's a gift of God, not a result of work, so that no one can boast. So as Christians, we are told we should be confident in our salvation, since it's not dependent on our own efforts. It's based on God's solution to sin through the sacrifice of his Son. 2 Corinthians 3, 5, not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything as coming from us, but our sufficiency is from God. Any sign of insecurity in our eternal security is a sure sign we are headed in the wrong direction, right? But at the same time, there remains this nagging feeling about narrow gates and the wages of sin is death. And we are to be perfect as our Heavenly Father is perfect, while at the same time We continue to sin like Paul, somehow trying to understand scripture when it says no one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. Mashing it all together like that can keep us up at night rather than resting in God's peace as we're called to do. Philippians 4, 5 through 7, the Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, Let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So what's the Sunday school answer to this conundrum? Of course, our Sunday school answer to all of this is that our salvation makes us perfect or sinless before God. So simple. We get saved, and the work of Christ dying for our sins, both past, present, and future, is fully paid. Psalms 103.12 As far as the east is from west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. However, in all that, there just seems to be a catch-22. So digging deeper. If we're saved, our sins are forgiven. If we're not saved, we have to pay for our sins. How do we know if we're saved? To the title of this article, Are We Capital Christians, Capital C Christians, born again, forgiven, having a personal relationship with Jesus, and so forth? Or are we lowercase Christians, believing God and Jesus exist, believing that our salvation is assured for various reasons, ranging from loving others to a prayer made years ago by going to church and reading a Bible once in a while, etc.? The deep question few theologians, pastors, or Sunday school teachers ever want to discuss is where is the line between saved and unsaved, between uppercase C Christians and lowercase C Christians. What behaviors or lack of behaviors gets us through the narrow door rather than walking the wide path with the rest of humanity? How can we be confident in our ultimate fate, when the line between good and evil on this earth is so often blurred. There are many who are deeply spiritual and find this conversation ridiculous. They know that they know that they know, and nothing more needs to be said. Some are biblical Christians who live out their faith humbly and submissively to God as both their Savior and their Lord. There are others in this group who seem to be just as adamant that they are quote-unquote saved, not because of any personal attraction to God or the Bible, but because they profess to love people, and in their minds, that's enough. Then a second group, uh, there are those who consider all religious stuff a waste of time, except when investing the time to respond viscerally to posts and podcasts like this one. And finally... There are those whom I'm writing this post to. Those who wonder if they're truly on the narrow path to heaven or the wide road to hell. Because there are only two paths on the other side of the grave. Matthew 25:46. So who, honest, so those who honestly worry if their sins are forgiven by God, those are the ones I'm writing this for and speaking this about. Those who don't have that peace that transcends all understanding. So what's the answer? <laughs> Wouldn't it be nice to have a short, concise answer to the question of saved versus lost, heaven versus hell? There are Christian fiction books written that offer a picture of halos <laughs> circling the heads of those who are sealed until the day of redemption, Ephesians 4.30. That would be so easy if it were only true for all of us to see in real life. However, God chose not to make things so clear-cut. He chose to insert faith into the equation, which complicates everything. Resisting expanding on Scripture like the Romans wrote or Ephesians 2, eight and 9, the assurance of, assurance of salvation is a change that can be felt by the believer and can be seen by the outside world. It comes through faith from the heart, not logic from the mind. The behavior that it exhibits is not limited to quote-unquote loving others. It also involves loving God, worshiping Him, both privately and collectively. Finally, it includes an acceptance of His principles and truths, even when they run counter to our own. Pastors, and Bible teachers want to make salvation this hard line in the sand. You're either saved or you're lost. You either, quote, asked God through Christ to come into your life, and he has filled you with the Holy Spirit and saved you from your sins, unquote, or not. For God, it truly is that simple. For man, the reality is that no one wants to talk about that true salvation is much more nuanced and harder to pin down. God bless you as you serve him and pray about your eternal condition today. Today's podcast article was brought to you by bcworldview.org, providing honest reporting and analysis on the intersection of contemporary issues and theology based on a biblical Christian worldview. May God bless you as you continue to walk through this life with our Savior and Lord.